Good morning, everyone. In case we haven't met, I'm the Reverend Dr. Philip Nordstrom. And um, for those of you who are wondering, I graduated from Wheaton College, same college that Billy Graham graduated from. I have my master's from the Southern Baptist Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, and received my doctorate from Fuller Theological Seminary in Pasadena, California. This morning, for the reading of God's Word, we are going to have another member of the clergy that will be coming to read, so I'm going to invite Reverend Roger Sumner to come, and he will be reading the Word. Would you please stand in honor of the reading of God's Word this morning? Can't do this right. Pastor, if it's all right with you, I'm just going to ask the people to sit. You can be respectful while you sit. You've been... Whatever. For quite a while, yeah. Please be seated. But honor the word as we read. We're going to read from Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 3, and then 11b through 32. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. Oh, wait a minute, Roger. Did you hear that? Tax collectors. You know what tax collect? You know what makes me mad? Tax collectors. Yeah. What makes me mad is the IRS. Does everyone know what the IRS stands for? Do you know what the IRS stands for? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. It's the Income Reducing Service. Yeah, or it's the Incalculable Riches Stolen. Yes, IRS. Inalienable Rights Squelched. Yes, the IRS. Incompetence Robbing Society. You know what makes me mad? The IRS makes me mad. Irredeemable, ruthless scoundrels, I-R-S. Institutionalized robbing and swindle, the I-R-S. Intimidate, regulate, subjugate, the I-R-S, exactly. And by the way, what, what, what were you reading from? Uh, the Bible, the Bible. The Bible, what, what Bible were you reading from? I believe this is the NLT, the New Living Translation. The NLT, the NLT. You know what the NLT stands for? That's the New Liberal Translation. Yes. Well, what do you if, have other versions well, that you like to read from? The NIV, perhaps? The NIV, yes. Uh, the New Incorrect Version, yes, that one, huh? Well, then the ESV. Hmm, yeah. Yeah, the, 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 the one, the error-saturated version. Yes, yes. Yeah, the ESV. I'm familiar. Okay, then Good News for Modern Man. Good news. Who came up with that title, Good News for Modern Man? You know what it should be? It should be Bad News for Sinful Man. That's what it ought to be. Hey, why don't you read? Why don't you read? Why don't you read from the real Bible? Why don't you read from the real Bible? Uh, the real Bible, you know, the, the, uh, the authorized 1611 King James Version of the Bible? Yeah, it's certainly a foundational document, obviously. Mm. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yes, we could stand on that. Okay, then. Well, our people won't understand the King James oh, Version. Oh, fine, dumb it down for them, dumb it down for them, Okay. You can't handle the truth. All right. Okay. Well, most of them 
are looking forward to the BLT version after church. The BLT. Very good, Roger. Okay, okay. Very good, very good. And not mm-hmm. to interrupt. I don't mean to interrupt. But, yes, yes. but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to feed his fields. Excuse me. He sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and I am here starving to death? I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. Roger, Roger. Did, did you notice? Did you notice something about that? Oh, sure. He he uh, he's not. And I heard I heard I was here a few Sundays ago, and I heard Nathan talking about this son and all of his repentance. Yada 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 yada. Can I just say this? Can I just say this? This son's not repenting because he's sorry. He's not sorry for what he did. There's nothing in the scripture that says he, he, his heart was broken for the father. He was hungry. What kind of a repentance is that? What kind of a story is this? Yeah, Go yeah, ahead. I, I get you. Mm-hmm. It's pretty sorry to be hungry, though. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. And when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. Music, music, and dancing. Music and, how disrespectful, by the way, by the way, I was here earlier in the service. Did you see that worship leader leading this congregation this morning? I think, you think this is Cotton Eye Joe's or something? What's going on? (laughs) Music and dancing? Music and, I mean, you got a worship leader that looks like John Lennon. What's going on here? And, and you got, and you got, and you got Pete on guitar. He thinks he's Jimi Hendrix. He's old enough. He ought to know better. And what's, music and dancing. Yes. Okay. Okay. Sir, I'll let me interrupt you one more time. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go now in. Now it's about time somebody in this story makes sense. 
The older brother refused to go in. Of course he refused to go in. You, you know, I, I know, I know you thought it was too long to read the other stories before this story, but I know there's the story about the lost sheep where the shepherd goes out, leaves the 99 and goes and finds the lost. Did anyone ever think about the 99? What about the 99 sheep who are still in the pen? The older, of course he refuses to go in. Go on. Get a feeling that a Hammond organ in the background would be cool. Just kidding. Just kidding. Okay. So his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. You never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. You know what makes me mad, Roger? It, it makes me... We got people here. They've been living for God all their lives. They come here early. They make coffee. They do all kinds of stuff. And one young whippersnapper, he's been out partying all weekend, comes in and comes, cries at the altar. We make a big fuss out of him. What about the, what about the other guys? Worth considering, yes. Continuing to, with the word. My son, the father said, you are always with me. And everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. This is the way the telling usually goes. Somehow the prodigal gets made into a hero and the older brother comes off looking like a buffoon. You're reading my notes. (laughs) Let's hear it for Roger. Great job. Great job. Appreciate it. Appreciate it very much. Some of you don't know Roger Sumner yet. They've been uh, uh, visiting our church for the last couple months, but uh, he has been a pastor for some years, and we're getting to know he and his wife Susan, great folks, and so glad to have them. I intentionally um, made a spoof out of the older brother, because I think this is the way historically he gets treated. We think of this older brother as some idiot who refuses to, to celebrate and do all of these things. But when Roger let, read that last passage, I want to read it to you again. And I hope that maybe we can hear this story with new ears. The father says, my son... You are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost, and now he's found. I was talking to a, uh, a pastor friend of mine, Pastor Dan Hicks. He's the chaplain at Tanova Hospital. And I was telling him that I was going to be preaching on this story of the older brother. And he said, I've been, I've been thinking about that story. And he said, the line that I've been thinking about is the opening line of that story, which says, there was a man who had two sons. Two sons. And my friend Dan Hicks said that every time I read that line, there was a man who had two sons, I hear inside of me this next line, and he loved them both the same. There was a man who had two sons, 
and he loved them both the same. When we, when we read the story of the prodigal, attention usually goes to the son and his repentance and all of that. But the context of the story of the telling of the prodigal son are these Pharisees and teachers of the law who are muttering and saying, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And so the story is told for their ears. The story is told for people who have given their lives to the study of Scripture. They're the older brothers. They're the ones that have been showing up early making coffee this morning. They're the ones that, uh, that, that, that were handing out bulletins. They were here when others were not here. And they're watching Jesus, and he's welcoming all of those prodigals, and he's eating with sinners, and they are feeling a little miffed about it. So imagine the party is going on inside for the prodigal son, and uh, while all of this music and dancing is going on for the, for the prodigal son, the older brother can't take it anymore, and he steps out on the back step. Hear the crickets in the background. As the brother is standing there. He can hear the party going on inside. He's out on the back step listening to the crickets, and, he's, and, 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 and his face is getting flushed. And he's thinking about this younger brother who squandered all of his father's inheritance while he's been faithfully working for his dad. But then I want you to notice something. The dad, and we always think about the dad going after the prodigal son. The dad comes out to the older brother, and the scripture says it this way. He pleaded with him. The father pleaded with the older brother. And the first thing he says to the older brother is, you have always been with me. And I think it's interesting. He didn't, he didn't say, I have always been with you. He said, you've always been with me. He says to the older brother, you're the one that didn't leave. You're the one when the younger brother was out squandering everything he had, uh, he you were the one that didn't leave. You were faithful when others were unfaithful. And so God speaks to the older brother, and, 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 and I think this is a hugely important for us to hear this morning because I think we in the church are more of the older brother. I, I mean, I, think mo- I know that you don't always get it right. I know that you're not... You're, you're not 100% not sinning and you've got it all figured out. But I think most of you day to day are trying your best to be faithful, to live for the Lord, to, to go about your life with integrity, amen? This is, this is who you are as a people. And, and the Father goes out and he pleads with you. And so I want you to hear the Father pleading with you this morning and 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 the conversion that he asked the older brother to make and the first thing he does if you're taking notes this morning he asks him to move from slavery to sonship because the older brother says to the dad i've been slaving for you all these years 
How many know that there's a time when duty can become drudgery? And, and, and you're doing the right thing, and you're doing the right thing, and you're doing the right thing, and it feels like you go unnoticed, and duty becomes drudgery, and finally responsibility becomes resentment. You've been responsible for so long, and now you resent it. I've, I've learned some things about this story in ways that I haven't wanted to learn in, in recent years. I know what it's like to have a child leave home and to stray. And I remember when that, and, and that's not a mystery to most of you, but I remember when that first happened in our lives. I was so distraught. I was so distraught. And, and I think what the devil wanted to do was to take me out with it. I mean, just take me out. And, and I remember being so distraught about it all, and my, and my daughters came to me. And they said, Dad, we're still here. We still need you. We still need our daddy. We still need you to be present. We still need you in our lives. And and the Lord used that. And, and I thought of our congregation. Our congregation still needs me. And I thought about this father whose son was straying. The farm had to go on. He still had to, he still had to gather crops. He still had to do what he had to do. And, and, so I once, and, I, and so I was hearing the older brother and the voices of my daughters that were, that were saying to the dad, we're still here. We're still here. And he wants you to realize that you're not slaves. but that you're all, and, and he said, you're always with me and I'm always with you. We're always together. I'm not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere. You're not just a slave. You're a son. You're a daughter. I want you to hear the word of the Lord this morning. Some of you have been so dutiful. I I look out at this church and I look at, at Mike and Linda. I don't know how many years. I don't know how many years. They've come early for no pay, done the bulletins, gotten things ready, when, when, when others weren't here, they were here. Coy and David, who meet us at the front door, we don't often throw parties for them. But they're here. They're doing it. They're serving. Quentin making coffee for us this morning, grinding beans, and we're sitting here singing about sinners coming home to Jesus. Hooray, hooray, hooray. And, and by the way, that's wonderful. We need to. But however, the Father would say to to us this morning, you've always been with me. I've always been with you. You're not slaves. You're sons and your daughters. The second thing that he says to the son is, everything I have is yours. He wants to convert him from scarcity to abundance. You know what scarcity means? There's a scarcity mentality that says, if you get something, there's nothing left for me. Can I just tell you that in the Father's house, there's always enough for all of us. It's the house of abundance. It's the place 
where every need is met. If the prodigal gets a party, you can... Can I just tell you some of the things I do at home? You're going to think this is gross, and I'm sure none of you do it or will admit it. But sometimes when no one's looking, I can walk into my house, and I can go in the refrigerator and take the lid off that milk and drink it right out of the jug. How many know what I'm talking about? Hallelujah. My kids just got disgusted and said, I'm never drinking that milk ever again. But there's something about being at the house, isn't there, when you're not a guest, when it's your house. Natalie doesn't have to ask permission, even though she's no longer living in my house. She doesn't have to ask permission. She can go in my house. She can do anytime. Even the son-in-law. Yes. Yes. I spit in it. Uh, anyway, uh, everything... I have is yours from scarcity to abundance. There, there's, there's enough. There's enough for all of us. And I just wanted to take some time this morning to let you hear this word of the Lord. He sees your faithfulness. He sees your sacrifice. Just because the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God for sinners. He also sees those, and we're all sinners, but he also sees those of us who are trying to serve, trying to be responsible, trying to be dutiful. And the last thing that he, he moves the older brother from is he moves him from hatred to hospitality. Because I think the brother's absence is actually inhibiting the party. Think about it if you're the prodigal son. It's awkward at best. You've just come home. They're having a party for you. You know where you've been. You know how unworthy you are. You got dad celebrating you, but you're aware that there's somebody missing from that party. Because I would suggest to you that prodigal sons don't only need the father. They need brothers and sisters. They need hospitality. They, 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 and so the, the older brother's filled with hatred. And it's interesting. I love, I love how the words change in this story. The older brother says about his brother... He says to dad, this son of yours. He doesn't call him his brother. He says, this son of yours has squandered everything. I'm not going to treat him like my brother. This son of yours has squandered everything. And can I just tell you that one of the problems in many churches, and I don't think it's in our church, but in many churches there is an invisible, unwelcome sign for sinners are people that look different from us, people that haven't had our experiences, people that walk in these doors. Last week, we had a secret shopper at our church. I have a pastor friend that just retired, 
And I said, would you come to our church and be a secret shopper? I just want to know. I want to know how you're greeted. And and I didn't tell any of the greeters. I didn't tell anybody. And by the way, that was the Sunday when both projectors didn't work. And that's the Sunday when Reese's keyboard fell on the floor. Yeah, that's when we had the secret shopper here. That was the secret. You know what? He didn't talk about the keyboard falling on the floor. And he didn't talk about what he talked about was meeting Coy and David at the outside. He said, and he's been secret shopping other churches, he said it was the first place someone actually opened a door for me. He talked about the warmth that he felt uh, when people greeted him. Um, And he gave us good suggestions about ways that we can improve things we're doing here. But but one of the things that I want you to hear this morning is, is I think we're on the right track in terms of being hospitable to people that are not from our backgrounds. They come in here, they look different, um, and we've got to be a place that moves from hatred to hospitality. Amen. So, so I'm, I'm tender this morning, and I'll ask musicians to come, but I'm tender this morning about the, about the older brother. And I, I've never been able to find this poem, but I remember hearing a poem when I was in high school, and the poem was called A Farmer in Minnesota. And there was a line about the farmer in Minnesota that said, we feed the whole world, but who cares for us? And, and as I was looking for it, I couldn't find that, but I found, a, I found a poem about the farmer. And for some reason, this made me think of the older brother. The king may rule or land and sea. The Lord may live right royally. The soldier ride in pomp and pride. The sailor roam or ocean wide. But this or that, whate'er befall, the farmer, he must feed us all. The writer thinks, the poet sings, the craftsman fashions wondrous things. The doctor heals, the lawyer pleads, the miner follows, the precious leads. But this or that, whate'er befall, the farmer, he must feed us all. The merchant, he may buy or sell. The teacher, do his duty well. But men may toil through busy days or men may stroll through pleasant ways. From king to beggar, whatever befall, the farmer, he must feed them all. The farmer's trade is one of worth, his partner with the sky and earth. He's partners with the sun and rain and no man loses for his gain. And men may rise or men may fall, but the farmer, he must feed us all. God bless the man who sows the wheat who finds us milk and fruit and meat. May his purse be heavy, his heart be light, his cattle and corn all go right. God bless the seeds his hands let fall. For the farmer, he must feed us all. There was a man who had two sons, and he loved them. today and um, you just needed to hear that affirmation that God sees God sees me he sees the life I'm trying to lead and the service that I'm trying to bring if you're here in this place and you just needed to hear the affirmation of the father 
I am always with you. Everything I have is yours. Could you just raise your hand in this house today? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I just bless this congregation today. As I look out among us, Lord, it looks like one of those Sundays where it's pretty much us. Ones that are trying to build a hospitable place lost people can come to Jesus where lost sheep can be found we're committed to that we love that we celebrate that this morning Lord we stand here and we hear the word of the Lord saying my son you are always with me everything I have is yours but we had to celebrate because this son this brother of yours was dead but now he's alive he was lost But everything I have is yours. You're always with me. Shall we stand?